Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, he will not much more clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of the Lord, please be seated. I'm curious, what do you worry about? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that keeps running through your head like you are stuck on a treadmill going 10 miles an hour but actually going nowhere. Worry, it's sometimes it just gets ahead of us. And just like being on a treadmill, no matter how fast we run, you're still running in place and you are getting nowhere. Worry is pointless, it's useless, and it is a detriment to our health. But if we are honest with ourselves, We have all, at some point in our lives, worry about something. Last week, as we began this sermon series about finding peace in the busyness of our lives, Pastor Mark brought to our attention the importance of rest for our souls. He talked about taking a Sabbath, an intentional time of rest, as a healthy avenue for restoration. Now, I don't know about you, But sometimes I find that very challenging. Because even if I'm getting physical rest, sometimes my mind just keeps going. See, I might be a card-carrying worrier. Hmm. Now, I might be especially prone to that right now because I have a 15-year-old. So you know what that means, right? Yeah, we're learning to drive. No, I say we because now whenever she's in the passenger seat, I get to learn about everything that I'm doing wrong. But this learning to drive thing, in addition to giving me a whole bunch of new gray, causes me a great amount of anxiety. This whole idea worried me so much when she first got her permit that I refused to let her drive with me or refused to even be in the car when she was driving. If I were a single parent, she would likely still be waiting to drive. 
But thankfully, Dan, who has a history of living on the edge, decided to take on his new challenge, and he decided to take her driving. Within her first week, she was on Route 59, Interstate 55, and he had her crossing 111th Street, not at Chokeberry where there's a light, but at Thatcher where she had to cross four lanes of traffic at her own risk. And when she almost killed them, he made her go back and forth about five more times so she wouldn't be afraid. I, on the other hand, I'm teaching her how to drive through that subdivision at Chokeberry. I want her to know her way around so she'll exit at the light. I could not believe he was exposing her to these situations so soon. So I have to say publicly, however, that she is a very good driver, but it still doesn't eliminate the fact that I was and still am worried about her. See, that worry, it is something that we all have to deal with from time to time. But in today's scripture reading, Jesus told his disciples not to worry. In fact, six times in this passage, he warns them about worrying. Do not worry about your life, he says. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. See, he's asking his disciples to trust him. So now, yes, Jesus is speaking to a particular people at a particular time, but this message is still valuable and true for us today. Do not worry about your life, Jesus says. Do not worry about how you will pay for college. Do not worry about what that medical test is going to say. Do not worry about how that lawsuit is going to go. Do not worry about what you're going to do with your time when you're retired. Whatever it is that is overwhelming your mind, Jesus wants to remind you not to worry. But Jesus makes it sound so simple, doesn't he? See, in this statement, perhaps in this command, if you will, Jesus is not downplaying your real-life struggle. But he's telling you, he's asking you to trust him. Is not life, your life, more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store up in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, you are God's children. He loves you, and he has taken responsibility for you and for your life. If you think about it, if you believe in Jesus and this gift of eternal life, if we trust God with the salvation of our souls, why is it so difficult to trust him with our day-to-day -day ups and downs? It just doesn't make sense to trust God with our salvation, but not to trust him with today. Now, I want to back up just a little bit, and I want to talk about this word, worry. I want to clarify a few things and try to flesh out what Jesus is getting at here. The word worry comes from the Greek verb merimnau, which means to be thoughtful. McKnight describes this word a little bit more fully. He said when used negatively, merimnau is an internal disturbance at the emotional and psychological level that disrupts life. I want to read that for you one more time. 
This is an internal disturbance at the emotional and psychological level that disrupts life. So today, this can be translated into being overly concerned, to care too much for, to be worried, to be anxious. Robert Gulick, in his book, Sermon on the Mount, describes Marim now as an anxious endeavor to secure one's needs. An anxious endeavor to secure one's needs. And both of these theologians would connect this anxiousness back to fear and Jesus' warning in verse 30 about having little faith. This passage is a commentary on getting your priorities right and trusting in the providence of God. In verses 26 through 30, Jesus directs his disciples to look at the birds in the air and the flowers in the field. And he asks the question, hasn't the Father always provided for them? He provides their basic needs, he feeds them, he clothes them. Wouldn't he care for you, his beloved children, even more so? Cast your worries upon him and trust him to carry that burden. Now, I do want to clarify that worry is different than concern. In my research, I came across this clarifying quote. It reads, concern motivates you to do something, to solve problems, or plan helpful ways to cope with them. But worry keeps you stuck on problems and distracts you from planning any helpful ways of dealing with them. See, having concern, planning for your future, researching your options, having a financial plan are all good and healthy practices. He does not want us to be careless with the provisions that he has given us. He wants us to be good stewards of our lives, our time, our talents, our treasures. But God also expects us to work. God expects us to do our part. God expects us to trust him and not let that anxious space take up our minds and control our hearts. So Jesus asked a very good question. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I mean, you can stay on that mental treadmill going nowhere fast, but does it get you or anyone else anywhere? Does it do you any good? I would say it does just the opposite. By worrying, you are actually subtracting from your life. Medical research can back up this claim. According to Gabe and Rebecca Lyons, Rebecca being the author of Rhythms of Renewal, 77% of the population is exhibiting physical symptoms of stress. Dr. Charles Mayo once wrote, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. I have never met a man or known a man to die of overwork, but I have known a lot who died of worry. See, worry, it affects our bodies, it affects our spirits, it affects our emotional and mental health. Statistics show that 44 million people experience mental illness in any given year. 
18.1% of those are an anxiety disorder. And are you ready for this statistic? There was a 400% increase in anxiety and depression reported between 1988 and 2010. 400 percent. And that number continued to rise. Anxiety is almost an epidemic. Why is that? Well, I think in some ways we could point our finger at technology and cell phone usage, social media, our political climate, aggressive marketing that makes us think we need so much more club sport mentality. And there's research to back that up. But I think it's something much deeper. Scott McKnight, in his Sermon on the Mount commentary, writes this. He says, anxiety is a barometer of one's God. Those with anxiety about life worship mammon, while those without anxiety worship the providing God. Worry. It's about placing earthly mammon over our relationship with God. It seems that people have stopped seeking God in their quest for peace. Parents have stopped making worship a priority. Schools have taken God out of the equation. Mindfulness techniques have replaced prayer. Podcasts have replaced reading scripture and studying God's word. Accusatory and divisive language has replaced honest discussion and genuine dialogue. We talk to be heard, but we don't listen to understand. So we're focusing on external, worldly things, but we're ignoring the condition of our very own hearts hearts that are crying out to have a relationship with Christ. This combination is the recipe for anxiety. In verse 32, Jesus challenges us. He is saying, why are you worrying about these earthly things? This is what the pagans, or the Gentiles, or the unbelievers, this is what they run after. But our Heavenly Father knows what you need, so stop letting these things take up the space in your head. God's got it. And then Jesus offers a solution. Verse 33. He said, instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, if your mind and your heart are seeking God, are worshiping the living God, are building your relationship with God, then they cannot be preoccupied, anxious, over daily earthly things. Your focus, your foundation should be centered on God. So how do we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? Luther would say we do this by believing in Christ and practicing and applying the gospel to which faith clings. Which, he says, involves growing and being strengthened at heart through preaching, listening, 
reading, singing, meditating, and every other possible way. Sounds a lot like worship to me. See, I love this because while Luther is referring us back to some very basic formational practices, practices that have withstood the test of time, he also leaves open the possibility that there are additional things that we can do to support this pursuit. So as we draw to a close today, I want to offer some practical steps to help you deal with your fear, your worry, your anxiety. The first thing I want to suggest is to practice spiritual disciplines. There's a surprise here at church. Of course I'm going to tell you to do that. What does this mean? It means to worship regularly. Through worship, we get all the foundational pieces that Luther describes. Preaching, listening, reading, singing, meditating on God's word. We get prayer. We get sacraments. We get community. And I would suggest, don't just leave that reading to a Sunday morning, but engage in a daily practice of reading scripture so that word can become a very part of who you are. Two other disciplines we have for dealing with the reality of worry and anxiety come from Philippians 4.6. This reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what is Philippians telling us? We're being told to pray often. See, when you are stressed or overwhelmed, invite God into your life. Lay your concerns at his feet and ask him to help you calm your anxious thoughts and to trust him. And when you are really struggling with your thoughts and they just keep spinning and spinning, ask God to reveal what unbelief or unhealed wounds may be preventing you from trusting him completely. And then be ready for the answer. So we have to be willing to constantly come to God in prayer, to relinquish our control, and to trust God to work on our behalf, even if we don't see or understand the immediate results. Another spiritual discipline that we get from Philippians is to practice gratitude. When you worry about an event of the past or worry about something that could potentially happen in the future, you miss the blessings of today. It is so important to cultivate your contentment. Make a habit out of noticing the many ways in which God is blessing your every day, and then be sure to thank God for those blessings. Give credit where credit is due. See, not only does this put you in a more positive mindset, but then you begin to see God's goodness more naturally and begin to see the ways he really is working in your life and the world around you. Number two, establish a healthy lifestyle. Yes, there is really a mind-body-spirit connection, and prevention is the key. Now, you've heard these a gazillion times, but they're so important, I'm going to share them again. Eat nutritious meals, drink plenty of water, get plenty of sleep, and exercise. But also, be willing to say no to activities that you don't really enjoy or want to do that maybe just make your schedule too full. This also means establishing healthy rhythms. 
This includes periods of solitude and rest and Sabbath, as Pastor Mark pointed out last week. Holy rest is so vital, as is incorporating the spiritual disciplines into your daily life and routine. See, we are designed, as all creation, to live within a framework of rhythm. And as long as we practice this healthy rhythm, life can move pretty smoothly, even when we are faced with very difficult obstacles. But when we get out of sync with those rhythms, our bodies, our relationships, our spirit, they eventually pay the price. Number three, live for today. Jesus says in verse 36, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, it's so important to recognize that worry doesn't get you anywhere. It merely focuses our attention on the future and very often anticipates negative events that will likely never happen. When you start creating those what-if stories, recognize what you are doing and focus on the blessings of the present moment. Jesus says, live one day at a time. As Christians, we need to make up our minds to trust God. See, in reality, this is a conscious, daily decision we make. People of faith are not naive to the struggles of the world, nor do they live in this head world of sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Instead, we make up our minds to trust God with our circumstances. We make up our minds to trust that God will, will shape our hearts so that we can better deal with our life's stressors. Yes, through prayer, sometimes God will change a circumstance and a situation, but it's just as likely that he will change you through that circumstance. It's just up to you to allow God to be your creator and your sustainer. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, Psalm 46 reminds us to be still and know that you are God. But Father, we need your help. When our minds start getting ahead of us and we begin to feel worried or anxious, show us the way to quiet our minds and to be still. Help us, Lord, to trust you Help us to trust in your wisdom and help us to have the courage to follow your lead. Sometimes the world seems just so hard and we can't help but worry. But help us not to give up, Lord. Help us to approach you with a childlike wonder and vulnerability. Help us to trust you, to know who you are, to lift us up, to love us and to never lose sight of the sacrifice you made for us by sending your Son to a cross on our behalf. It is in his name we pray. Amen.